Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Amen, guys. So what we are busy with is a, a small sermon series, if, 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 if we can call it that. And the name of the series is The Body of Jesus. Tonight we're going to do part two, A Heart Like Jesus, through relationship with Jesus. And I just want to say, I'm so encouraged. You know, every time we've spoken about this, we're looking at a passage in Ephesians 4, from verse 1 to 16, that speaks about the body of Christ. You know, that Jesus came and he gave us to one another. He knit us together in unity. He gave gifts to the church. And he wants to come and do a work in and through each and every member. And what's been so encouraging for me is that every time we've spoken about this passage in both the morning and evening service, the members really feature. Right? Tonight especially, new members, new members evening, you know, being added to the church. And I'm so excited because these are people that say, you know, I want to be united here. I want to walk with this church to see that God... His name is lifted high. And, and the other times as well, you know, just people coming forward and bringing words and encouraging one another as God works through us. And that is what we want to do with this little sermon series, you know, to really establish in our hearts that God wants to come and work through our lives. He wants to come and do something in our lives. He wants to come and work through each and every member. You know, and the, the first time I asked us a couple of questions, I want to ask that same questions today. But before I begin, you know, normally we ask who's in a small group and we raise our hands. I just want to do that a bit different tonight and ask if you are not in a small group, you know, if, if you feel a bit shy and you don't want to raise your hand, that's also okay. But who here is not in a small group and in any, any place? Some hands going up. Thank you for the honesty. So I want to say before I begin... I have an intent, I want to convince you to join a small group if you haven't done so yet. And the question that I want to ask ourselves, you know, is it possible to live out the life that Jesus has for us, the life to which he's called us, without a small group? And is that possible? And the answer is no. And we'll see that as we go through the scripture as well. No, or, or can we even grow to a place where we live out our calling without small group? And again, the question is no, we, we can't, we need the people around us. It doesn't need to be a specific a small group, you know, but that context or the function that it fulfills. A group of people that gather for the same purpose, to see the same thing, where the name of Jesus being lifted up. That is necessary for us to grow. Yes, we can grow into a certain extent without that. You know, we can grow in our knowledge of the Word of God. We can grow in our relationship with God. But we cannot grow as we should without this function being fulfilled. You know, without these people around us that's working towards the same place to see the name of Jesus being lifted up. You know, and we're going to look at two things tonight, specifically in the sermon as well, as we go through this. And that is, what is the heart of a person, you know, that wants to walk in unity? with the church that, that sees the gifts of God flowing through his life. And, and where does this heart come from? And, and my last question to us is, and I hopefully this, the, the answer to this one is not no, but do you know how to build the people around you up in love? 
Do you know what your gift is? Do you know what God has called you to, the function that he's given you to fulfill in this church or in a church that he's called you to? doesn't need to be specifically this one. And if the answer is no, don't worry. The reason why God has laid this on my heart, the reason why we are going through this is because God wants to come and show us. He wants to come and reveal to each and every one of us what's the gifts that he's placed in our hearts and in our lives and how we can build one another up. And just to quickly recap part one, if you wasn't here, Part one, we looked at the following two points. The first was to live a life worthy of our calling for the one who called us. And then secondly, we need to be eager to maintain the unity established by the Spirit, bought with the blood of Jesus. And then what we said is Paul's writing, and this is verse one and verse three of this passage, and we're going to see that as we, re, as we go through it again tonight. But what he's saying is if this is not something that's in your heart, if you do not have the desire to live a life worthy of your calling, and if you do not want to be in unity with the church, then the rest of the passage is not for you. And that this is where the rest of the passage flows from. This is the foundation of it. This is what's needed. A desire to live a life worthy of our calling and unity with the body of Christ. Now, and we also said last time, it's not because we want Jesus to die for us that we want to live these lives worthy of our callings. It's not because we want him to love us. It's not because we want him to give us gifts, but it's because he already died for us. It's because he already loves us. It's because he's already given us gifts. That's why we have an urge to live a life worthy of our calling. Not so that we can deserve it, but because we see how much Jesus deserves. That's why we want to do this. And then we see in the high priestly prayer in John 17 where Jesus prays for his disciples. There's a couple of things that he asks the Father to do for them. But the two main things is firstly in verse 17 he says, Lord, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. You know, give them the appearance of people that are sanctified by your word. People who live lives worthy of the call. Sanctify them. And then in verse 21 Jesus says, May they be one like you and I, Father, are one, that the world might know that you sent me. Unity and a life worthy of the call. That is what Jesus focuses on. That is what he prays for his disciples. And, and we're going to see, you know, how does the heart of a person look that has this? You know, what is in his heart, this person that wants to live a life worthy, that has this unity with the body of Christ? And next time we'll see how we grow up into a place where we are fully united with the head. And this is a reality in our lives. So you can read with me on the screen. Ephesians 4 from verse 1 to 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who has descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together with every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And if we can just pause here with, with verse four, 16. This is where we are heading, you know. This is where we want to arrive at. This is the goal. You know, if we can arrive at this place, then, then it's good. You know, the Afrikaans says that when each part works together, it makes a unity. A unit, it forms some unit. It creates unity. So this is where we want to go. We want to be a church in unity where each part fulfills its function and works as it should so that we build one another up in love. And then as I said last time, the first time I read through this passage, not in preparation for the sermon, but the literal first time I read through this passage, I thought there's no hope for us. How is this going to happen? You know, it says there, when each part is working properly, the body builds itself up in love. And I just thought to myself, you know, if we are honest with ourselves, the average Christian doesn't even know what his gift is, let alone how to use it. You know, and at the time where I read through that passage, that was the same for me as well. I didn't know what my gift was. I don't know what my function in the body was, how to live that out. And now the body says, when each of us works as we should, only then is the body going to build itself up in love. I mean, and, and, and we humans, you know, we don't normally come together and everybody just works as they should. I mean, maybe you can testify to that at your workplace. Everybody working as they should. No, not even then. But now we're speaking about the body of Christ. Luckily... We are serving a God of the impossible because only with him something like this is possible for each part to work as it should. But luckily there's, there's some good news. You know, the scripture, it says here, with every joint with which it is equipped. So literally everyone that comes together does not need to work as they should. But it's these people that, that want to be united, you know, as a church, that want to live lives worthy of the call, And then the moment we make that step and we say that, then God adds that part to the body. And all of a sudden, we become equipped with a new member. And they tend to work together as they should, and the body builds itself up in love. So if someone comes, you know, and they don't have a willingness to work together, to be in unity, that's not going to withhold us from growth. We're going to grow, but slower, not as we should. We're going to reach the place where we want to, as fast as we want to. But we're going to grow nonetheless. Would it be better if that part joins? Yes. We need one another and we need to grow into that place. And tonight I just want to show us through the scripture, you know, what is the key to arrive at this place? You know, what, what, what needs to happen in our hearts for us to arrive here and say, we want to work together. We want to do what God has called us to do so that we can build one another up in love. So if we can go to the next slide. It says here in verse 2, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. 
And scripture says this is what we need to have to live a life worthy of the call. And it says live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. This is also what leads to unity in the body of Christ. You know, without this attitude of our hearts, we're going to try to be in unity with one another. We're going to try to live out what God has called us to do, but it's not going to last. It's going to be of, of short year, you know. We're going to try hard and we're going to try to be in unity and we're going to try to live out what God has called us to do, but it's not going to last if we don't have this in our hearts. You know, and maybe ask, you know, but, but why is this so important? And we, especially the context that we're speaking about, you know, we're speaking about a body where each person does the work to which Christ has called them, fulfills the function. Now we're speaking about a heart attitude, you know, what's going on here? You know, but if we have this attitude in our heart, not only does it lead to unity, it also sustains unity. The reason why this creates unity is because the humble person with this gentleness and patience, there's no competition with one another. You know, we're not constantly trying to do better than that one, trying to outshine that one. No. We're actually desiring for those around us to grow beyond us. And if something happens where someone says something to someone or someone gets hurt, we bear with one another in love. And there's forgiveness. And it's easy to maintain the unity. Even if stuff happens that's, that's not right, that doesn't happen as it should, we forgive one another. So it leads to unity. And it sustains unity. It also leads us to live life worthy of the call because we are called to love God and love people. This is the attitude with, with which we do that. And now here comes the, the surprising part. You know, this attitude of our hearts leads to a place where we discover, develop, and use our gifts. You know, maybe you're sitting there and saying, no, but shouldn't, shouldn't we put a list of gifts on the board? And say, so, okay, this is the gifts that we see in Scripture. And then as we start to explain them, work through them, and say how they work, you sit there and identify which one you think you will be good at. And isn't that how we discover our gifts? You know, how, how's this going to lead to me discovering my gift? How's this going to lead to me developing my gift? And how's it going to lead to me using my gift? You see, we read in this passage and we see that the fivefold ministry... The, the evangelists, shepherds, teachers, pastors, and prophets, they are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Someone that has humility, gentleness, and patience in their heart is a teachable person. They are able to be equipped by those around them. A teachable spirit. You know, to use as an example, let's say today, Hanu is the, the humble one. Not that he isn't always, but Hanu is very humble. You know, he has this teachable spirit. And someone comes to him, maybe his wife, they, they normally, you know, say it straight, you need to be teachable if, if your wife wants to instruct you. Otherwise, you're just going to fight. They normally, you know, they don't come around the corner or beat around the bush. They just, they just say it like it is, you know. And someone comes to Anu and says, yes, Anu, you know what I've realized about you? You're really good with children. You know, you, you really have an ability to speak into their lives and to impart something to them. But also, Anu, something that I've noticed is that I've seen you, you know, play around on stage with some of the instruments. Don't do, don't, don't do that. I don't think God has, has called you to, to be a musician. You're not, not gifted in that area. 
Hanu being a teachable person, he hears what this person has to say, and he says, okay, I see that God has called me to, to do this. You know, I'm really gifted in this area. So I'm going to leave the instruments behind, and I'm going to focus my attention and my energy on where people have said that I've really seen me excel. And I'm going to focus on children's ministry. I'm going to focus on imparting something into their lives. And as Anu is busy with that, people come and say to Anu, hey Anu, I've, I've seen you do this with the kids. Maybe don't do it like that, but just do it in, in this way. Again, Anu being a teachable guy, says, okay, I see what, you, what you're saying. He goes and prays about it and he applies the good things and he works through the negatives. And all of a sudden he's developing his gift and he's realizing what his gift is. Okay, now Mari is there at the back, the back of the desk. Let's say tonight he's the proud person. Not that he, that he always is again, but let's say he's, tonight he's very proud. And I go to, to Mari and I tell, tell Mari, yes, Mari, I really see you have ability to connect with, with, with the lost, you know, with the people out there. You really have the ability to share with them the message of Christ and to bring them into the body. You're really, really gifted at that. But again, you know, I've always seen you with Hanu on stage, playing around with the instruments, especially the drums. You don't have rhythm. You know, maybe you'll, you'll learn how to play it, but the rhythm is not there. You're not called to do that. Hanu, being a, Mari being a proud guy, what does he do? He rejects the good thing that I've said. And now he's going to show me that what I've said he cannot do. He is going to do. And he walked right past his gift. Spending all of his attention and energy on something that he knows he is not good at. To prove a point. To show that he can do what people said he can't do. Right past his gift. Because he doesn't have a teachable spirit. And I'm just to say tonight, you know, for, for men, this is the thing we struggle with most. Humility. Gentleness, patience. This is our greatest downfall. It's the thing that leads us to experience the least growth in any area because we always know best. For girls, bearing with one another in love, forgiveness, especially other girls, but of your downfall. And we need to see the areas that we are not so good in so that we can focus on that. You know, we see it from a young age. Guys, very competitive you know, being the proud ones that lack a bit of humility, they get into a fight because they're always competing with one another. <clears throat> get into a first fight, five minutes later, they're friends again. There's forgiveness with girls. Let's say Sari was there. Primary school, they're still young. She invites Anna over for a sleepover and also Yanda. She, she's thinking, oh, yes, we're going to have a nice sleepover, but Yanda doesn't get invited. Breaks Yanda's heart. She doesn't speak to Marie ever again. They go to the same high school. Ten years later, it's the reunion, and you can still feel the vibe <laughs> between Yanda and Marie because she wasn't invited to the sleepover. They struggle to forgive. They keep grudges a bit longer than men do. We fight and we get over it, but we still think we know best. Even after the fight, they, they, they say you lose, but in your mind, no, I think I won that fight. And then when you go to a bride, especially Afrikaner bride, the men, they always know where the best meat and the best out. I know where, where you should actually buy. No, don't buy there. This is the best place. We always know the best. And not only is, is a person with humility and gentleness teachable, but they're also mindful of others. If we can go to the next scripture, 
It says here in Philippians 2, verse 3 to 5, Do nothing from selfish ambitions or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ. Now verse, verse 4 there speaks of that gentleness, or as the New King James would translate it, lowliness or meekness, which is actually a, a very good translation. You know, being mindful of those around you. So not only are you a teachable person and people can speak into your life and, and lift out the areas where you're really good in, and say also the areas that you're not so good in so that you can avoid those areas and not spend so much time on them. But you are mindful of the people around you. So now someone has said to Anu, hey Anu, yes, I've, I've really seen you. You're a good encourager. You, know? you really have a gift to encourage people. And now Anu, being mindful of those around him, sees that there's someone in need of encouragement. What does he do? He goes and he encourages that person using his gift because he's mindful of those around him. Or maybe you, you're sitting in your small group, people are, are discussing what's going on in their lives and, and this guy also just being open and sharing what's going on in his life. He says, I, I'm not sure you know, where God is calling me to go. I feel a bit confused, I'm a bit lost. I'm not sure where I should go, what I should do. I need a bit of direction. And you being mindful of this person and really having a heart for those around you, you go and you spend time in prayer for this person. Yeah, not only, hey Lord, please help Jan, get direction, amen. Not that there's something wrong with those prayers, please keep praying them. But you're really going and interceding for this person, praying for them. And all of a sudden, God unlocks something in your heart. A prophetic gift just develops because you are mindful of those around you. You see, but we are so constantly busy praying for ourselves. Lord, where do you want me to go? Where do you want to send me? Where do you want to use me? That we are not hearing God's voice and we wonder why. It's because God has gifted us with gifts not to benefit ourselves, but to build up those around us. If you want to be built up, if you want a gift to be used in your life, then you be honest with those around you about what's going on in your life so that they can use their gift to build you up. You see, not only does this attitude say, here's my gift, because we need to you know, see others as more significant than ourselves to serve those people around us. And it enables us to serve them. But not only does this attitude say, here's my gift, it also admits that I need yours. I need your gift as well. I'm willing to lay down my life so that I can serve you and really spend time praying for you, encouraging you, you know, asking God the question, how can I build those around me up in love? But I also admit that I need your gift. I need you to speak into my life. I need you to build me up as well. And that takes us to the first point or the, the third one of the series. The attitude of your heart determines your growth and unity in the body. You know, and we read in scripture in James 5 verse 6 that God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. You know, and we've read in this passage that grace was given to each one of us. Christ has given us gifts of grace. Genade gaves. And if we are humble, God comes and he gives us more and more grace so that we can use our gifts. And also just a warning to put out there, you know, when scripture said God opposes the proud, he does not oppose his own body. You are disconnecting yourself from something that, that God wants to come and establish in our hearts. And then many times we, we're speaking about growth and, and we're looking at our gifts and, 
And we want to avoid the subject of the heart. We want to look past it and we wonder why we are not growing. And as a generation, we've lost the ability to be honest with ourselves and honest with the people around us. To say what's going on. And the reason for it, I think, is twofold. It's because we live in a social media culture. Where social media is continuously trying to say to us that we need to only say what's, what's good in our lives. What's happening, you know, where we're going, how happy we are, how we're making it. But nobody posts on Facebook, just had the worst fight with my wife. She's so irritating, I want to hit her with a plate. Don't do that also. <laughs> You'll have a worse fight then and maybe you will get a plate. So don't post that there. But it's teaching us to continuously just say that it's good. You know, nothing's bad in my life. And if something is bad, it's the other person's fault. You, know, you see that status message is coming up. I, you know, release the person that, that's not loyal to you and, you know, all of that. It's always someone else's fault. And we've lost the ability to be honest with ourselves and honest with the people around us. And then the second reason why is because we're living in a culture of knowledge without application. And then maybe you're saying to yourself, how does that lead to us not able to be honest with ourselves or those around us? See, we read in the book of James 1 verse 22 to 24, and it says, be Doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If we hear the word of God and we do not apply the word of God, we are beginning to deceive ourselves. And that passage goes on to say that the one who hears the word and does not do it is like someone who goes to a mirror and looks at his natural face in the mirror. And the moment he turns away, he forgets what he was like. Quite shocking. Just by continuously sitting in church and hearing something and not applying that, you can become deceived. You know, and, and, and we've, in this culture of, of Christianity, you know, and, and we've been through stuff and we've heard a lot of stuff, and the longer we sit in church and the longer we neglect applying the Word of God, the more we become deceived and we think we are something that we are not. And that's dangerous. And it begins with pretending. Pretending that everything's fine because that's what culture has taught me. To say, no, it's, it, 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 it's okay. How's it going at home? No, it's fine. Good, we, we're making it. How's your relationship with your wife? No, it's fine. It's good. Meantime, you don't know the last time you were intimate. You can't even remember. But how's everything's falling apart, but we're saying that it's okay. And the more we do that, and we hear the word of God and we don't apply it, we actually become deceived and we begin to, to believe ourselves. Thinking that we are something that we're not. Because we have heard it. Christians should be these honest people, these humble people, regarding those around them. So now we know the lingo, we know what we are supposed to be, but we've forgotten what we are like. To be honest and say that that's not me. I don't have it in my heart. I'm not that humble as I say I am. My, my relationship with Jesus is actually not going that well. I can't remember the last time I've heard God speak to me. And I'm actually going, spoken to a lot of people throughout this year with this specific question, you know, what is God busy saying to you? Where is he busy leading you? And most of the people just start to speak you know, and say some Christian things that we know are in general true. You know, this, this and that. But it just obvious that this person does not know where God is leading them. 
They do not know what God's plan is for their lives. And we've lost the ability just to say, you know what, I'm not sure. I can't remember the last time God spoke to me. I don't know where I'm going at the moment. Help. So that we can help one another grow. See, because it, it needs both. People with the attitude to help those around him. But we also be honest with the people around us with what's going on so that we can help one another. We need to really know one another if we want to care for one another. If we want to build up one another. We need to be honest with ourselves. And uh, now also to say, you know, but how do we get this attitude of our hearts? Where does it come from? I don't know if, if you've done what I've done, but now you read something in Scripture. Let's, let's take humility for example. Scripture says that a Christian should be humble. I'm realizing that that's not me. So what do you do? Okay, now I'm going to be humble. It doesn't work like that. Just because you read it and say, now I'm going to be humble, doesn't make you humble. It doesn't work like that. You know, where does this attitude come from? How do we get this, this heart? If you're honest with ourselves and admit that this is not my heart, where does it come from? The keys found here in verse 16. From whom, speaking about Jesus who is the head, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. From the head flows everything. You know, we want to arrive at the place where, where this is true for our lives, that we are part of these joints that work as it should, with which the body is equipped, building one another up in love. Scripture says that those who are connected to Jesus, their lives look like this. But again, maybe you're saying to yourself, you know, but it doesn't look like this for me, but I think I'm connected to Jesus, and that's where we need to be honest with ourselves. Are you really connected to the head? And it's a difficult question, especially in the age that we live in. You know, I was busy with a lot of strange things when I was a kid, you know, addicted to drugs and alcohol and, and a lot of things. And if you would ask me in that time if I was a Christian, I would be very offended. A duh. Obviously, I'm a Christian. My parents were Christian. They took me to Sunday school. Deceived. Because I spend my life hearing the word of God, not applying it, thinking that I'm something that I'm not. And we can easily fall into that trap and think we are something that we're not or think we have something that we don't have. And we need to be honest with ourselves. And the scripture just reminds me of John 15, where Jesus says, he's the, the vine, we are the branches. Those who abide in me, it's they that bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Because this attitude of the heart is a fruit of the spirit. Humility, patience, peace, love, gentleness. Flows from the spirit out of a relationship with Jesus. If we are truly abiding in the head, then this would be true of us. That would flow through our lives. And I want to say something tonight, and I think some of us have heard it, but we need to hear it again and be honest with ourselves. If you're struggling to live in unity with the body, if you're struggling to forgive, the church is not the problem. Your relationship with the head is. There's something that's wrong there. And maybe you say, how can you say that you don't know what that people did? You did not know what that people said to me. You didn't know how that made me feel. Jesus says, bear with one another in love. Now in the book of Colossians, which is a twin letter to Ephesians, Paul writing a lot of the same things. It says in verse 13, 
speaking about the same thing in, in verse 12, it speaks about, you know, as God, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with humility, kindness. Speaking of this attitude of the heart. Verse 14 speaks about love that binds everything together in harmony or unity. And in verse 13 it says, bear with one another in love. And if someone has a complaint against another, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. You also forgive one another. You see, if I'm connected to Jesus, and each day I experience his forgiveness for me flooding through my life, and someone does something against me, I forgive easily. And the key is I'm connected to the head. My relationship with Jesus is right. If I struggle to forgive, if I struggle to be in unity, it's not because of the people around me. It's because my relationship with Jesus is not right. From that flows a body that is in unity. It works as it should. That builds one another up in love. And I also just want to take this moment to celebrate two people here, Aubrey and Bianca. I did it last week in the Afrikaans service. They were not here. But... I've, I've had the privilege of, of going to some of the, the small group's baptisms this year. And if you see them somewhere and you want to greet them, please say, Aubrey and Bianca, the dwippers. They have baptized like maybe a thousand people this year, maybe exagger- exaggerating a little bit. And, but I've really, I've never seen people, not that I've been saved for thousands of years, but that come and bring all of their gifts to give glory unto God, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ like you to do. I really just want to honor you for that. And, and, and when you go to, to these small groups you know, and, and the baptisms that they have, you just experience this love that they have for their small group members. And you can see the time spent in prayer to get words for them. And when they come, they're worshiping together, really speaking the word of God over them. And one thing that is just so clear about both of them is their relationship with the head is in place. And from that flows everything that's beautiful. And I just want to really honor you guys for that. Love you guys. And um, also now to say, like we said, that if our relationship with Jesus is correct and from that flows everything that's good and beautiful, then from a proud, proudful heart that does not want to be in unity, there's always this unity, is a disconnect from the head. If we can go to the next passage, you know, just to show that, Colossians 2 verse 18 and 19 Do not let anyone who delights in false humility, speaking about being deceived, people are deceived, thinking they are humble, but they're not. False humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such persons also go into great detail about what they've seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with their head. From whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow these people want to bring disunity in the body that are proud you know they puffed up going on about false humility what's the issue not they've heard the wrong thing from a young age in the Sunday school no not because my parents did this or these people said this to me or this person hurt me at this age no they have lost connection with the head that's where the problem comes in I'm not saying that if we're all connected to the head, everything's just going to be 100% fine. No, we're still going to say stupid things to one another. We're still going to hurt one another. We're still going to act in ways that we should not. But there's grace for one another. There's bearing with one another in love. There's honesty. We can be there for one another. If you go to that person that said something to you and you forgive them, and you say, hey, Maria, 
that wasn't nice. Maybe don't say that again. And if he's also connected to the head and he has that humility, he'll learn from that as well. And he'll grow. But the connection with the head needs to be right. And that takes us to the last point. Out of the head, the whole body grows in unity. Just had a weird picture because we recently had a baby. But picturing a baby that first develops his head and then the rest of the body grows doesn't work like that. Imagine how weird that would be, you know, if we were born only as heads. <laughs> like you have the size of your head that you have now. And then as you develop throughout the years, the rest of your body starts to grow from that. That would be weird. Um, I'm seeing Lumay there, you know, who's a physio, and I'm imagining taking my baby there for some physio, and maybe, you know, coughing and stuff, but the lungs are still in the head, you know, how do you, <laughs> how do you pat that out? Um, sorry, I, I digressed a bit now. Um, and next time we'll look at, you know, how speaking the truth in love, we can grow up in every way into him who is dead, because we're seeing this now. If we're truly connected with Jesus who is dead, everything will work well. So how do we grow up into him? And we'll take a look at that, that next time. So we can just stand and pray. I just want to ask us a couple of questions while we're standing. There where you're standing, you can just close your eyes and just focus on Jesus. And we want to ask ourselves, you know, to be honest with ourselves. And really ask God to allow us to just open up our eyes so that we can view ourselves, our hearts, what we do, who we are like, in an honest light. And I want to ask you now, how is your relationship with Jesus? How is your connection to the head? When I tap, look at your relationship with the body. I'm not speaking about each and every single church out there that says they are a church. I know that there's some weird things going on out there. But in general, how's your relationship with the people of God? Do you forgive easily? Is there a desire to maintain unity? Because that will give an indication of, of your relationship with Jesus. How's it like? How's your heart like? You know, and to be honest with ourselves, you know, are, are you pretending to be humble or are you really humble especially as, as men here tonight you know, let's be honest with ourselves and admit when we think that we are better than other people when we are proudful and ask God to heal our hearts and if you feel God pressing on certain areas that's, that's fine because he wants to come and heal that, that areas only Jesus can come and change our hearts no matter how many times you say to yourself I will now be humble that won't happen without Jesus he needs to come and bring that change in your heart. And as you're just examining yourself and, and you see areas that you need to work on, lift up your voice to God just there where you're standing and say, Jesus, these are the areas in my life that I want you to come and work on, that I'm honest with you tonight. He knows what's going on. He knows the thoughts you think, the things you do. You're not going to surprise Him. But his arms are still wide open and he's inviting us to come in so that he can heal every area in our lives. And if you see tonight that, that you genuinely possess humility in your heart, that there's gentleness, there's patience, there's a bearing with one another in love, thank God because that only comes from him. If you leave a couple of, of humans to their own devices, that doesn't just establish in our hearts. We need God to come and work that in our hearts. Let's lift up our voices to God tonight.
Yes, Lord, thank you, Father, that as people are praying tonight, Lord, and just examining their hearts, Lord, and bringing them before you, thank you that you come, Lord, and you come and bring healing in hearts tonight, Father. Thank you that you come and show us, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and show us, Lord, where we've been deceived, Lord, where we've, we've pretended to be something that we've not. And come and bring healing in those areas, Lord. What a shame it would be, Lord, if we spent a little time on earth pretending to be something that we're not and we lose eternity with you. Oh, teach us to be honest with one another, Lord. Teach us to be honest with you, Father. To share what's going on in our hearts, what's, what's going on at home. And yes, it's difficult, Lord, but thank you with you, Father. Everything's possible. You come and give us the strength to do that. And thank you, Father, for, for people here standing here, Lord, realizing that they're struggling to forgive certain people, Father, that you give them the ability to forgive, Father. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, what forgiveness we have received in you. And I pray, Father, no matter how difficult it is, Lord, no matter how, how hurt we've been by those around us, Lord, grant us tonight the ability to forgive. And if that is you, there where you're standing, and you know that you need to forgive someone, don't hold that in. It's going to cause bitterness in your heart. Lift up your voice to God and forgive those people. And thank you, Lord, that I can just come and bring my heart before you, Lord. I can give me a greater love, Lord, and patience for my wife, Lord, for my children, Lord. Come and heal my heart, Lord, where I'm reluctant to serve those around me, Lord, because I think that I'm better than those around me, Father. Just come and heal me, Lord, of pride in my heart, Lord, where I think that I've arrived at a place where I've not. And thank you, Lord, for every good thing in my heart, Lord, because it only comes from you. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And we come and pray for pure hearts tonight, Lord. Come and say thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in our hearts. And thank you, Lord, that as we're praying as well, as we're working through this, Lord, that as we go out this week, Lord, and pray, Father, and ask you to show us where we can build those around us up in love, Lord, that you can unlock gifts, Lord. Teach us to be a people that's mindful of those around us. Thank you, Father, for the gifts that you've placed in this church, Lord. And thank you for each and every gift in everyone's life, Lord. And I'm just also hearing you saying that what God has given you is enough to walk the road that he has called you to, to live out the calling that he's called you to. The things that you have, the gifts that he's given you, that's enough. It's all that you need. And thank you, Lord, that you walk this road with us, Lord. In Jesus' name.